Hey, this is Eric Olivares, pastor at Axios Church in Lakeland, Florida, and this is our podcast. Axios' mission is to point people to Jesus so they can find worth and purpose in God. We hope this message encouraged you and uplifts you throughout your week. Enjoy the message. And um, so I truly believe God is, is going to speak to you through this message. And um, we kind of changed everything on Thursday. We had a whole sermon series that we were going to do. And um, this past weekend, um, this past week, Jess and I went to South Carolina for a conference um, that we went through with a bunch of church planners. So our church, if you're new to our church, our church is a church plant. <laughs> we started about a year and a half ago um, in the midst of COVID, in the midst of everything that was going on in our world. Um, God told us to start this church. And if I'm being vulnerable with you and honest with you, um, it was hard. It was hard. We didn't have a backing. We didn't have a denominational backing us up. We had $200 in faith, and we went on and started this church. And um, come on, let's give all glory to God in that. But as we were in this church conference this past weekend, it was it was one of the uh, a life-changing experience that we, we've been through. We went to last year as well, um, but this year was something different um, because at the end of the conference, there was a preacher that spoke that spoke on this topic, and, um, and I'm going to take some of what he said because, you know, if you have eyes, plagiarize, um, and, um, and then also... <laughs> and also, um, it, you know, it was such uh, impactful in my life. So this sermon series is coming straight out of just like now in my life, you know. And I hope it kind of gets where you are as well. And um, as we were entering into this sermon series, um, I want us to focus on um, it, the, the concept of pursuit. Pursuit. You know, there's something happens when you get in the room of people that are like-minded that are people that have the same faith, the people that have like like the same drive as you do, because this is what happened to me. I'm going to speak for myself. I'm not going to speak for my wife because she's great. Um, um, but it, it sparked something in me because if I'm being honest with you, and I'm, this, this sermon series, is, if it's just this sermon, uh, I'm just going to be completely vulnerable with you guys. It's been a tough season for me um, in, in the past two years as we start planning this church. Um, in the midst of, you know, all the racial divide, I'm a brand new pastor. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Um, um, you know, staff turnovers and, and you know, elections and just, you know, remodeling, going, starting in a, it, at the RP Funding Center, coming in here, putting this all, you know, together in like a month and a half, you know, trying to just get everything, asking every favor from a family member. You know, if you're Spanish, you have a cousin of a cousin of a cousin. You know, we, we, we called all the cousins out, all right, and um, to, to make sure all this happened. But if I'm being vulnerable with you today, this has been the most draining season of my ministry in my life. And if I'm honest with you as well, this past weekend was make or break. Because the weight of the world has been on my shoulders. The weight of the world of not only with the church, but of family and everything. Have you ever been there before where you just feel like weighty? And not because you just ate Chick-fil-A for the whole week. I'm just weighty, just like, just weight. And this past weekend, I, to be honest, I did not want to go. I just, I just go just to show my face, you know. And... God just met me, you know, he just thought God meets you right where you need to be met. And he met me right there. And coming off all this, you know, the stress of life, in the midst of pursuing God's will, 
I got drained. You, you can do God's will and still be drained. You, you can still be doing everything right, but in the midst of doing everything right, it seems like everything is wrong. And I can come up here and give you a motivational speaking and say, hey, three ways to be successful in life. <laughs> or I can give you a motivation, hey, the, do the three steps to being the best Christian. But if I'm honest with you, this stinks sometimes. But the, the people that, that actually win in the midst of the pursuit is the people that have the mentality say, do not quit. Do not quit. See, in the middle of pursuit, you know, we get drained, we get tired, especially in the culture that we live in today. It's a constant pursuit. It's a con you have to constantly pursuing things in your life. You could be pursuing that job, pursuing the paying those bills and, and raising money to pay that debt. You, it's, it's pursuing the me time that you need. It's pursuing a cultivating relationships and friendship. And in the midst of the rat race in life, in the midst of pursuing things in your life, we lose who we are, and we become exhausted, and we, in, in essence, blame God. We blame God. Because, God, I shouldn't be feeling like this because I'm doing everything right. See, let me just, let me just mess up your theology and religion real fast, okay? You know, um, you know, bad things happen to good people. And I wish I had all the answers in life to give you, all the, the verses I can throw at you. But the reality is, life sometimes stinks. But the reality is, if you, know, if you don't know that life's going to stink sometimes, life will eat you alive. So when you have a reality of life, then you can have a faith to overcome it. Because we don't live life in faith. We live life in what we can do. And when we live life in what we can do, it's always going to be an exhausting thing. In these seasons of my life in the past couple of years, is there was times where I couldn't, I couldn't activate my faith because I was so exhausted. So I would just do it because I know I have the talents and the abilities. But the talents and the abilities only get you so far without faith and the anointing. You have to know this. But let me tell you this. There, there's nothing wrong with pursuing things in life. But if we do not process in the midst of the pursuit, the pursuit is going to crush us. We have to process these checkpoints in our lives. We got to process that in this midst of pursuing things in our life, are my modems right? Are, is it the right timing? Does it align with God's will? We have to have checkpoints in the midst of us pursuing in our life. Because in the middle of life, you can be successful, but you can be dying on the inside as well. Why? Because maybe your pursuit that you're pursuing is not aligned to your purpose. You can be pursuing things all in your life, but if it doesn't align with your purpose, you're always going to leave like you have failed. And we have to have checkpoints in our life to analyze what are the decisions we are doing in our life. Because we, if we don't have checkpoints, we're always going to go, 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 go. And at the end of the day, we're going to be the ones crying ourselves to sleep because we don't know who we are anymore. We have to check ourselves before we what? Wreck ourselves. <laughs> Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, do not conform to this world, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind, that you may testing and discerning that God's will is good and acceptable and perfect. Have you ever watched the, the movie Transformers? 
What does the transformer do? It literally transforms. But then we read verses like this and we're like, oh, we need to be, you know, but we need to be transformed. But it's like a little part of me, you know, like I just have to give him my like just my prayer time. How about your relationships? Like we have to transform every part of our lives. So it aligns with God's word so it can be acceptable and perfect and good. Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, for what will profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? And what should a man give in return for his soul? So here's, the, here's one of the scariest things you can do in your life. The most scariest thing you can do in your life is pursuing things without anointing. Let me preach you old school Pentecostal Spanish church real fast, all right? Not only Spanish church, M-A-E, baby. Mission impossible. <laughs> Mission M-A-E, you, you ain't being a Christian. It's impossible to be a Christian. Because here's the reality is, if you are pursuing without anointing, you're going to fall short to purpose. First John chapter 2, verse 20 says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 says, the spirit of the Lord was upon me because he, what, anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. Because here's the thing, I truly believe that there's people in jobs, there's people in positions, there are people in relationships, friendships, there's people in investments that shouldn't be there because they weren't anointed for it. You're not, David had to be anointed before he went to the throne. Paul had to be a transformed and anointed before he spread the mission of Jesus to the world. There has to be surrender before the blessing. But we always want the blessing, but don't want to surrender. Paul had to give his life before he walked into his calling. David had to, uh, David had to, um, he, he committed all these things, and he was a man after God's own heart, but he had to repent before he moved, over, moved forward into the throne. We have to know surrender and blessing is not opposite. They're together. They're together. They're, they're, there are things that we are not anointed for that we are, that we are operating in the flesh and not in the spirit. And we wonder why we're a little off. The question I have for you today, are you anointed for that? Even in the Old Testament, when they were building the temple, they had to anoint the candlesticks. They had to anoint all the furniture. They had to pray for a candlestick. Why? Because they said, we want to make sure that it is as holy as possible, that we're, we're aligned as much to the, to the spirit of God as possible. A candlestick. You are a life that has purpose. Why are you working out of anointing? See, we have to know that when God says move, we move. But we fall short at times of this anointing. And it's because sometimes we look at social media too much. And we look, at the, we look at social media as our Bible and not our Bible as our Bible. Something broke back there. Go get it. Um, sometimes we look at what other people are doing. This is the craziest thing, and I do it all the time. I, I don't want you to come up here and think I'm like, ugh, ugh, ugh. I'm, I'm like, look at me. I, I'm horrible at this. Learn from my mistakes because I look at social media 
and I look at what other people's highlight reel is, and it becomes my identity. Because if I don't line up to that, then I should be doing something wrong. But the reality is, maybe I'm not anointed for that season yet. And you're looking at other people in, in your investments, in your, in your job, and you're like, why can't I do that? Maybe you need to be more faithful in the small so God can anoint you for the big. But in a culture where it's always pursuing and always doing more and always getting more, we have to know that there's a pause sometimes before the blessing, the anointing, the pursuit. And when you're anointed for the pursuit, doors open that going to blow your mind. When you're anointed for it, relations are going to pop up in your life that is going to blow your mind, that God's going to provide. And when you're anointed for the pursuit, for, for the pursuit, he provides where there seems to be no way because you're anointed for it. You walk in it in a different way. Because if we don't, if we can do it on our own, why do we need faith? If I can throw money at it and it can happen, do you need God? If I can network my way up into the, into the promotion, uh, do, do, you, do you need faith? Because sometimes we act like God and we get our way into what we want, but is it what God wants? Because when God's in the, involved with it, Man, it blows your mind in a different kind of way. Are we dependent on him and have faith to trust him all the way in the midst of the pursuit? See, here in the book of Philippians, we see Paul. One of the major people that wrote majority of the New Testament, a man that was well-known, a pioneer of the faith, gives us a criteria, a standard to hold by, in the midst of pursuit and happiness in our life. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. And this is going to be the verse that we're going to kind of be breaking down this whole month. But we're going to kind of start in the first half. But let's, let's go to verse 12. It says, and um, it's not that I already reached this goal or, or I've already have been perfected, but I pursue it so that I may grab hold of it because Christ grabbed hold of me. For just this purpose. See, before we have to, before we come to understand this verse, we need to read some verses before to understand the context of what we're really going to say today. So if you have your Bible, I would just challenge you to get out, get it out real fast, take some notes, because we're going to kind of break this thing down. We're kind of kind of doing a little study section, session today. We're not going to, I'm going to preach to you in a little, I'll scream at you in a minute, all right? Um, but let, let's just break this down real fast, because we're going to go to first one. It says, it says this, then, um, so then, oh, 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 let me say this, Philippians chapter 3, verse 1 through 12, and let's break this down um, to understand what God wants to speak to us today. Verse 1, so then, he, um, Paul says, so then, my brothers and sisters, be glad in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to repeat the same things to you because you will need help to keep on track. Here's a side note. Every time the Bible kind of repeats itself, that means it's very important. When it reads the glory, uh, holy, 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 it's like, hey, triple holy. It's important. It means put focus to it. It means repeat it. But at times when we are repeating ourselves, we get annoyed by it. Parents, hello. We say it over and over to our kids. 
and we get mad at them, but why are we saying it over to them? Because it's important for them to know because we don't want to be crazy, crazy citizens going to jail later. You know? But we repeat ourselves. For them is annoying, but for us it's important for them to know the knowledge. So this is what, this is what Paul is saying. Hey, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to tell you again because it looked like they were, they were um, kind of, it was a challenging thing that Paul was trying to tell them. So he had to repeat it over to them. Again, verse 2, it says, watch out for the dogs. Watch out for people who do evil things. Watch out for those who insist in circumcision, which is, uh, which is really um, mutilation. We, have, we, we are the circumcision. We are the ones who serve by, by God's spirit and who boast in Christ. We do, not, we do not put our confidence in rituals performed by the body. Let me just break it down real fast because I know we just went real fast from rejoice to circumcision. Okay. Um, so back in the days, this is where G Jesus was a kind of died on the cross. He, he rose again. And now they were trying to figure out this new religion, which is Christianity today. They're trying to figure out. So we had, they had the Jews, which where Jesus was kind of raised up in. And now Jesus comes in the picture, gets on the cross, and bam, throws the, the, the rock away. And he's like, ha, I'm Jesus. Uh, you know, and just rolls in there and saying, hey, there's a new way to do this thing. And the reality is they didn't know how to do it. So now Jesus is out the picture. Disciples and Paul are kind of just spreading this gospel all around. But the Jews were trying to keep these new these new people like us, the Gentiles. They were trying to keep the Gentiles to the religion rituals of the Jews. So what they would do is they would take grown men like you and me that were Gentiles and try to circumcise them to become Jews. But Paul was saying, hey, this is a new way to do this thing. We don't have to go by religion and we don't have to go by rituals anymore. No, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have a new way of thinking these things. And so the, the Jewish people were trying to put Gentiles in their religious box. And we're like, dang, this is crazy. But the reality is we do that sometimes in our world today. You don't look this certain way, so you're, te you're technically not a Christian. We, you, 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 we put people in these boxes of, of our religious rituals, and we're wondering why they're not wanting to be transformed. It's because we put them in a box. But Paul is breaking the doors down to religion and saying, hey, enough is enough. Jesus came to die for our sins. He has redeemed us. We don't need the rituals. Hey, the rituals might be good for your thing, but for this new thing that God is doing, we need to think a little different about this thing. We need to go to him and not the rituals anymore. So Paul, after this explaining to them, he gets a little bit of gangster now. I love Paul, man. Paul has these moments of like, you know, like he'll be like these wise things like the Lord is great. And then he'd be like, yeah, you're stupid, too. He's <laughs> like, what are you talking about, bro? So then after he talks about like, hey, no, your rituals aren't good enough anymore. No, it's all about relationship. Then he starts saying this in verse four, even though I have good reason to have this kind of confidence. He's saying, listen, hey, I was the Jew of the Jews. I mean, I was the man back in the days. I have I can have confidence in these rituals. But then he says, if anyone has any reason to put their confidence in physical advantages, I have even more. And then this is how he can stop it there. They'd be like, oh. Thank you, 
Paul. But then he starts naming all his things that he's done right in his life. He said, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was, I was from the people of Israel, the, pro, the, the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He wasn't just one Hebrew. He was double Hebrews, all right? He was Hebrew. Of the, I was respected about the law and, and, the, and the Pharisees. I, was, I, was, I had respect devotion in my faith I, uh, uh, about the church. I was respected and, and righteous in the law. I was blameless. He started naming his job description. He started naming all his awards. He's like, hey, I got most improved. Hey, I was the most, I was the most best dressed here. I was this. He started naming all. He said, if you want to boast about somebody, hey, boast about me. I'm the man. But then he transitions in verse 7. It says, these things were my assets, but I wrote them off for the loss, for as loss for the sake of Christ. But even beyond that, I consider everything I lost in comparison with the superior value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I lost everything for him. For what I've lost, I think of it as sewer trash so that I might gain Christ and be found in him. In Christ, I find my righteousness that is not on my own, that I do that does not come from the law, but rather from faithfulness of Christ. It is the righteousness of God that is the face of my faith. The righteousness that I have come from knowing Christ, the power of his resurrection, and participating in his what? Suffering. It, is include, it includes being conformed um, uh, to his death so that I may perhaps reach the goal of resurrection and death. And then he goes to the verse that we started. It is not that I already reached this goal or already been perfect, but pursued it so that I may grab hold of what Christ grabbed hold of me for his purpose. And this is such a crazy, like, event that's happening. It's like a roller coaster ride here. He's like talking to this church of Philippi and saying, listen, I, we, we have to think a little different about this. We have to act a little different about this. We can't be talking to all these people about our religious accomplishment, but not showing them who Jesus is. We, we can't throw the Bible at them and expect them to just take it. We have to be it. This is what he's saying to these people. Paul is, is saying, in the pursuit of knowing, the, I'd, I'd rather give it all away to pursue God. Uh, he said, and then if you keep on reading, he says, uh, the next verse, he said, while, while I pursue God, why don't you follow me in my pursuit and, and mimic what I'm doing? That's a bold statement. Because what if your life was the criteria for people to follow Christ? I'll wait. In the pursuit of everything in life, we have to follow this model that Paul has given us. And the first thing we're going to talk about today is how he started it all is number one. The only the only point I'm going to give you today is this. The pursuit of humility. The pursuit of humility, humility, a quality or condition of being humble, modest opinions of esteem of one's own importance and ranks. 
to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, it is not that I already reached it. Hey, I've not made it. Yeah, I might have the criteria. I might have the degree. I might have the talents. I might have, but I have not reached the goal, but I'm pursuing one thing, and that is to grab hold of what Christ has for me in my purpose. Paul is saying, if you want to see the best Christian there is, hey, I'm it. But I'd rather lose everything about me, my reputation, my standard, my everything for the cause of Christ. He's saying, listen, I might do it a little differently because I'm Paul. But if Christ says it, his standards are higher, greater than my opinions. See, Paul is saying all these things. Humility is not undervaluing your undervaluing yourself. It's putting the right value on yourself. Because at times we overvalue ourselves and we think we're the center of God's life. We're in the center and God's just like, all right, baby. Good job, honey. But then when you fall into temptation, you're like, God, and you, you think God's like, oh, I'm, yes, he loves you. But let me give you a newsflash, baby. You ain't that special. You ain't that special. You're special, but you have to put value on what's really important in your life. He's creation. He's creator. I'm creation. See, um, humble people fully appreciate their own gifts and talents, but do not esteem themselves over anybody else. See, what we do sometimes is we, and, and, and I grew up in church, man, and we, we, We've failed. We've done this thing backwards. If we just read our Bible, we wouldn't be so dumb. Because we have, we have lost, if I'm honest, we have lost a generation for our stupidity. We have thrown a Bible at them and say it's under relationship, but it's really under religion. We spoke it, but never lived it. And as, as, as believers of Christ, we, we have to stop being, we have, we have to not only be fans of God, we have to be the bride of Christ again. We, we have to go back to what the Bible says. We don't need to go back to what, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I want you to check me. Don't take everything I say as your religion. You better get into your Bible and make sure that I'm doing this thing right. But what we have done is we have focused on the man and lost the man. We have focused and put our religion and our time and our energy in a persona, and we lost the one that really we're supposed to be worshiping. We have to get back to this thing, and it all starts with humility. Yes, we have talents. Yeah, we have ability, but the reality is here's what false humility is. False humility is, on the other hand, is prideful in disguise. We practice false humility when we intentionally devalue ourselves and our contribution, and, if, and, it, and, and you try to seem, um, you try to say that you are humble. So you know those people that are like, hey, how are you doing today? Oh, I mean, I'm blessed and highly favored, but are you really blessed and highly favored? <laughs> hey, man, how's your day? Oh, God is on the throne. <laughs> but crap, man, I, 
If, if God's on the throne and you're acting like that, I don't want the, the God on the throne. It's we devalue our value to make sure that we seem humble. But it's called, you look ridiculous. <laughs> and the reality is, humility, it, 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 it gets the, the eyes off of you and on where it really supposed to be, which is God. So Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4 says, the reward, of the, humi- uh, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor in life. When's the last time somebody said, hey, try to be more humble? <laughs> See, Jesus was the epitome of this. He, he, he was so humble that he walked around. People looked at him like, bro, this guy's weird. Like, we kind of, like, just look at this, like, Hollywood Jesus, like, he's just floating everywhere. Bro, this guy's was weird. Like, these people were going on their day, just, just this one time. Man, he, the one time he probably showed a little bit of anger. These people were just having a yard sale at the church. <laughs> we're trying to just get some funds. Church plant life. And, God, and Jesus walks in and be like, start flipping the table. That's my dove. That's my pigeon. Because it wasn't the act, it was the heart. See, that's where we have to, humility starts in our heart, but the opposite of humility is what? Pride. Pride, a feeling of deep pleasure, satisfaction, deprived by own achievements and achievements of those who are closely associated or the qualities of possessions they widely admire you know people you know people that are actively living in pride when they can't have a conversation with you but i without saying something good that they did this is the worst when we go to church conferences hey how you doing well my church is running 100 i didn't ask you about your church I asked, how you doing we do it because in reality we want to feel valued on the wrong things when our value always has to be from God. See, when we don't value what really needs to be valued, we're always going to find and grabbing things that are going to try to give us a false sense of value in our life. But it's going to leave you empty. See, the enemy, the, the, the devil was trying to use these tactics throughout history, from the garden to even now. I mean, in the garden, he said, hey, uh, you God gave you, he, he told you to name all the animals, name everything, but he told you not to talk to that little, don't eat that tree. Like, he'll give you knowledge. It's like, it's a sense of pride. How about even Jesus got attempted with the pride of his flesh, the pride of, of, of his eyes, and the pride of life, but he didn't fall into it. When, when the devil was tempting him on the, on the, on the mountain, he, he said, hey, uh, you know, turn these stones into bread, the flesh of the pride of eyes, his eyes. You know, he, Jesus could have been like, hey, and turned it. But the enemy wanted to use pride to try to get Jesus to fall. Because Jesus knew he could do it. But he humbled himself, saying, no, what he used, the word. He said, you can't get me. I know my value. I don't need to prove myself to you. I'm already proven by him. The, the, how about the pride of his, of, his, of, of his eyes was, hey, all of this I will give to you, the, the devil says to Jesus. Oh, 
look all of this. We used to do a play in, in church, and the, the guy used to say, uh, he, he couldn't say all of this. He said, all of this I will give to you. Get the emphasis on that. But what did Jesus say? Hey, county poo myself. He hum- Jesus humbled himself. Then, he, then the enemy said, the pride of life. Jump off these cliffs, and your angels will catch you. And Jesus is like, I know, but there's a greater plan for my life. See, when you humbled yourself to the right value, number one, you don't have to prove yourself to anyone. You're already proven by him. See, the enemy did this to Jesus. You don't think he would do it to you? He uses the same stuff. Oh, man, I worked so hard, so I deserve this entitlement. Oh, they they didn't fulfill my needs, so I have to look for better. Oh, they didn't recognize me, so they don't love me. All you're screaming is approval, and you're putting it on things, and it's rooted in pride. See, James chapter 4, verse 6 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God opposed the proud. But he gives grace to the, the humble. We have to look at, we have to normalize success. So I'm not saying don't be successful. Listen, we want you to be successful, okay? We need to build a church building, okay? Be very successful. Success in this building, all right? <laughs> but let's normalize success in this way. If you don't handle success the right way, you will live in pride. You will live less. But if you know that, you will try not to live like you will try to live humble. But there's too many people that are just striving for success, and when they obtain it, they lose who they are. You know those people that they prayed, oh God, give me this, give me this, but then when they get it, they ain't no more God, because rooted in pride. That's what Paul is saying. He said, listen, I'm great, but I've not done these things on my own. I didn't take the credit for it. We don't have a, uh, we don't have, don't get it twisted. I don't take credit for this. Only God did this so I can obtain these things. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble comes wisdom. Comes wisdom. See, maybe being humbled, you need to be you need to seek wisdom in the right places. Sometimes your friend that is the same age as you, dealing with the same issues you are, ain't probably the best person to get wisdom from. But then my homie, guess what, homie, later. But if you want wisdom, you got to get around people that are probably a little older than you and going to tell you the truth. The problem is we have people that are just going to champion, and I'm, I'm all for champion, but guess what, you need accountability as well. For us that, listen, I don't want to fall into pride. I want to live a life that is humble unto God. We have to have humility in our life and thank God for the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the resources, the things that he does give us. That, does, that, that, that puts the right value. It's the tools that he makes us, he gives us to use for his kingdom. That's why mindsets that this, this society is operating in, like things like, oh, let's manifest this thing. Or let's do it just for me. Or let's, it's all rooted in pride. It's not about you. It's about him. But here's the good thing about it. While you put the right focus on God, God is going to honor you. 
So as believers, we need to preach on the right things. We need to preach on the right things. We don't preach on the right things anymore. We need to stop preaching self-help. We need to stop preaching three ways of success. We need to stop preaching that you're going to take the land. We need to stop preaching that God wants to pray all these blessings on you, which is completely true. I'm not saying to deny it, but we put too much focus on that. We need to start preaching repentance again. We, we need to start preaching this word that we don't talk about a lot. It's called holiness. We need to start preaching surrender. We need to start preaching sacrifice. We need to start preaching righteousness. We need to start preaching purity. Oh, those aren't hot topics, right? Those aren't the ones that are going to get to you on the, on the Instagram posts real fast. But we're missing it, church. If we're not focusing on the right thing, we're only going to be, because here's the thing. I'm not here, and I'm done. We don't have piano players. Let's play the music. I'm not here to be your best friend. That's not my mission. If you want to have a pastor that's going to just make you feel good all the time, I'm not it. <laughs> because what I want to preach to is to your pride that is trying to eat you alive. Each and, when, each and every one of us are oper can operate in a certain kind of pride in our life. And me as your pastor, I want to suffocate the pride in your life. Because I want to, you to live life in humility and in the fullness of God. But I'm here to tell you there's an enemy trying to kill, steal, and destroy you. I don't have time. Listen, some of you come to church once a month. I got one Sunday to preach to your pride. I got... We don't have time to waste anymore. We don't have time to waste to come into air-conditioned church, preach your four sermons, and then go out living the same. We don't have time anymore. Look at our world. Our children need us to stand in humility. Our, our, our generations and generations need you to break that generational curse. It's time to put the, the boots on and start getting to work, church. I don't need to give you the fluffy things in your life. You get that enough. I'm here to tell you the truth of God's word. I'm here to tell you that if God tells you to go left, you better go left, honey. If God tells you to go right, you better go right. See, we need to not, we need to not live so offended in life. You know what offense does you? Offense gets you that much farther away from purpose. We need to live a life of saying, listen, if I have to be checked in this, man, it's better for me to be checked by you, that somebody that loves you, than being checked by somebody that doesn't. It's time for us to stop being fans of Christ and start being the bride of Christ. We have too many fans. What do fans do? Fans celebrate you when you're winning, but curse you when you're not. Especially New York Yankee fans. You ever been, I don't know, if you haven't been to a New York Yankees game, go and sit in the bleachers. They're called the bleacher creatures because they will praise you all day. But when you are not playing right, they're Mets fans real quick. I'm here to help you get the pride out of you. 
to live life humble because here's the promise. Here's the promise in James chapter 4, verse 10, and, and I'm done. You can't let me go into a conference anymore because I get crazy. James chapter 4, verse 10 says like this. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will what? Exalt you. You're trying too hard. You're wasting your time, baby. You, you're doing too much. Maybe God wants you to be in a sitting season. But here's the promise. While you wait, humble yourself before the Lord. Because who will exalt you? He will exalt you. Your job won't exalt you. He will. That relationship won't exalt you. He will. It's the what we put into it. It's what we reap. What we reap, we will what? Sow. And in the right time, at his timing, he will exalt you. But while you wait, kill that pride. Wake up every day and say, listen, I don't want to be about me. I, I need to do it unto him. So if I go to the coffee house and get my coffee, I do it unto God. I'm, I'm, I'm praying. I'm looking for somebody that I can bless. It's unto God. Because here's the reality. Some of us are at the brink of disaster in our pride, and I'm here to save you from it. I mean, you're just right there. You're just dabbling with disaster. But it's time for you to open your eyes, repent today, give your life to God, and say, I don't need pride anymore. I need to live in humility. Paul knew the secret sauce to pursuing life. He said, while I get it, I give it. While I get more, while I get more recognition, while I get more attention, while I get all these things that, that, that platforms give and that resources give, while I get it, I'm going to give it. Because while I give it, I'm, I'm, I'm putting my value to where it needs to be. It's all about him, not about me. See, that's what happens sometimes in church world. We, 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 we like the stage and give me the credit, give me the credit, give me the credit. And we fall into temptation and we're like, oh, this person fallen into grace. But the reality is, is they need to give it. So I'm going to celebrate you, Ryan. Your hair looks great today. You look black on black, baby. Vinny, that hair is looking great today. We need to celebrate each other. Celebrate each other. Kill the pride. Embrace humility. And let's walk out this thing. Let's pursue things that we need to. Let's pursue life. Life, God doesn't want you to be broke and disgusted. But while you do that, learn how to live in humility and be a light into the world. Thank you again for joining us here at Axios. Hey, to hear more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to this channel. If you want more information about Axios, go to axioschurch.com. There you can get more information, give, and connect. Remember, we love you, and we're in this together.